But, you know, I think like intersex, one thing that can get lost in such debates is that intersex people are simply people and we're real people with real struggles. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Hey, this is Dave at the Hopper Podcast. We did an episode, number 21, on intersex. Someone who recently discovered that they were intersex went and researched our episode, and they want to tell their story about being intersex. Willie got the opportunity to interview them next. I'm curious to hear your story and to learn more from you about your experience and your knowledge of intersex. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to do that and to do so anonymously just because of the fact that uh, I haven't really gone public with this story ever before. Sure, sure. Uh-huh. Um, and I also just apologize. I do have my dogs in the room with me, which is the safest bet to make the least likely that they will bark because if they're right here with me, but they might hear them chewing on bones a little bit or something in the background. So I think that's wonderful. I love dogs. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing to just say too, is that I'm not speaking on behalf of intersex people. Of course. Um, you know, I'm one person and I'm just offering my story as an example of yes. one intersex person. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I'm also, my context is that I was raised in an evangelical Christian home. Um, I'm the firstborn okay. son of a Baptist pastor. And I had a pretty typical childhood um, two loving parents, two younger siblings. And growing up, I, I did not know that anything was atypical about hmm. my physical health or genetics. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only sort of thing that, um, like, that did occur in my life that maybe could be attributed was that I was slow to learn how to read. I didn't know how to read until grade two. Um, but other than that, I did, like, fine in school, I enjoyed recreational sports. I cer certainly was not an athlete, but well, <laughs> sure, okay, side of things. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it was just kind of like pretty typical. Okay, childhood. Um, and then like when I think about um, my 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 background in terms of being intersex in junior high and into high school, I did struggle with body image a bit. Okay, and that's not unusual for kids to struggle with. Yeah, um, that's true. Uh huh. But um, in my in my case, I came to notice that I carried a lot of um, extra fat kind of in my stomach and chest area. Okay. That's something that I was self-conscious about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I was later on diagnosed, that would be significant, but I didn't know that at yes. the time. Yes, 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 yes. I knew that there was something that like was not quite right about me. I can hear your dog. Who who is that that's growling in the background? We have two pointers, two German uh -huh. pointers, and okay, I'm just giving them treats to try to. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. <laughs> okay, um, they're playfully growling. I should yes, of course, of course. Yeah. So, anyways, um, 
In uh, grade 10, like I remember being in a sex ed class in the Christian school where I attended. Okay. And our teacher told us that, you know, males have a certain body shape, contains broad shoulders, muscular uh-huh. arms, kind of a uh-huh. V-shape um, to that smaller waist. And when I heard that, <laughs> I was like, I wondered what was wrong with me because yeah, you know, that's not me. And yeah, yeah, there was kind of no chance of that being me. Okay. So that's just one thing that has stayed with me. Sure. Um, and then I left that Christian school in grade 10, went to public school for grade 11 and 12. Okay. And I remember that in my high school years that I was, I really tried to hide my body shape. Yeah. I often wore like two t-shirts to cover up that extra fat content that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned on your previous episode of uh, intersex episode about gym locker rooms and gym rooms and stuff. And so I could kind of relate with to what you said. Um, I was so worried about being teased that I actually never set foot in the, in the locker room in high school. I just got changed Mm. in the bathroom every time Mm, mm, (laughs) to mm. avoid it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, sure. Cause yeah, I just kind of expected that I would um, be met with an not fun reaction from other kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then high school, like in terms of sexual attraction, I was just a typical heterosexual male. Okay. I, um, I wasn't sexually active at that point in my life. I certainly hope to be in the future though, like most. Sure. Okay. Boys. Yeah. Um, and my dream was like to hopefully one day find a girl to marry and to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then in my life story, then fast forward ahead to my early twenties and at about age 23, and at this point, I was married. I, I uh-huh. didn't get married at a younger age. Um, I went to give a blood donation, of all things. <laughs> oh. And they, they turned me away um, due to having low iron. And they said that I needed to see my doctor. And I hadn't seen my doctor for a number of years at that point, because as far as I knew, I was healthy. Yeah, Sure. So I went to the doctor and had a physical and during the physical examination, my doctor, he noticed some physical characteristics that led him to, I think, wonder if I might have a genetic condition. Mm-hmm. So he ordered um, genetic tests and fertility tests. And at that point I was diagnosed with something called Kleinfelter's syndrome. Okay. Uh-huh. And it's also known as 47XXY. Mm-hmm. And so what that means at XXY, so the genetic tests revealed that I have an extra X chromosome. Yes. And so unlike sort of what we learned in biology class that males right. are XY and females are XX, uh-huh. well, actually XXY. Right, right. Gotcha. And, yeah. And so at, the, at this point, then I, I learned that I'm also infertile. I'm okay. Not, I'm not able to have kids. Mm-hmm. Now, is that true for most Kleinfelter's uh, people? As far as I as far as I understand it, it's true for most. Okay. Um, I have heard like some infor- like some information that apparently, if it's diagnosed really early, there's a way that potentially they could they okay. could reproduce with medical intervention. But okay, okay. Generally speaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so also at that point, they realized that my body was not producing really any testosterone. Mm. 
And so I saw an endocrinologist and they prescribed a testosterone gel to be applied daily. Uh-huh. And through the testosterone level bouncing back up, then that kickstarted the iron <laughs> to be higher and stuff. Sure. So things kind of like normalized for me health wise. Okay. Um, but, but then I, you know, I also saw some other specialists just to pursue finding out more about fertility. And they said like, don't, don't bother pursuing this any further. It's okay. okay. It's not happening for you kind of thing. And you were married before you found this out. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, that was like, it was a pretty heavy negative experience. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. I guess I don't want to pry too much, but I'm really curious about how your experience through all that finding all that out and going to those doctors and yeah. Well, how did did that land on you? It it was hard. I mean, there's definitely like a grieving process to that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's yeah. And, and I mean, also to some of like, they gave me just some information that they kind of was like, you know, printouts from the internet. Um, But there wasn't like a lot of information really handed to me or not a lot that I knew at that point. And and some of what was available was really actually kind of stigmatizing. Mm, Like mm, mm. saying, you know, things like, you know, people with blind filters typically, you know, don't attain as high of educational level as the average. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Um, Okay. A little fun fact about that that I learned only this year is that uh, apparently some of the early research research done on Kleinfelter's males was done on prisoners in a maximum security prison. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so Kleinfelter's this, people though. tend to be prisoners, yeah. tend to be uh, criminals. Yeah. <laughs> and, and get this for a while, they theorized that that extra X chromosome is what makes people murderers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh man! So, yeah. I'm glad you only learned that this year. <laughs> I, there, I, 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 we're laughing about it, and it is funny, I suppose. But I, I'm, I guess that there were probably people who were diagnosed with Kleinfelter's at some point, and that's what they were told. Yeah, uh, and oh yeah. man, and wow. I think also like just had a lingering like aftertaste in the research, you know? Okay, okay. More negative. Yeah, sure. I think more recently, there's a lot more happening, especially with like neuroscience and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was like, it was really, it was really difficult. Um, when I was growing up in my evangelical family, you're not going to be shocked to, to, <laughs> to hear that I was fed the message like, not if you have kids, not if you get married, but oh, right. when yeah. you get married and when yeah. you have kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I also was really, like, I've always, always been really drawn to to young children, babies, and I was complimented throughout my life on how good I was with kids and mm, like, mm, could mm. be a really good father someday. Yeah. So that was like a double whammy. Sure. That you're not going to be able to have biological children. Yeah. 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 And I mean, also just, I felt so bad for, like, I just didn't feel, I felt terrible for my wife because this hugely impacted her impacts her. And, you know, she didn't, she didn't know about this. Like if I had, I had even gone to the doctor, like, you know, several years earlier, potentially this could have been diagnosed. Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and maybe something could have been, it would have been different and maybe not. 
Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, like for a while we like for quite a while, actually, we kind of, we prayed for miraculous healing. Okay. Hoping uh-huh. that that sure. happen. Um, in the Bible, there's lots of stories of like kind of seeming infertility and yes. then miraculously, That's somewhere true. miraculously people Absolutely. do manage to, yeah, to reproduce. Yes. So that was, that was our hope. Um, but, but that never happened. Um, mm. And um, yeah. And so there's also just lingering after effects for me on that front too, is like, I certainly would want to be healed in terms of having, being able to have kids, but, um, but also wasn't I also created in God's image? Wasn't I fearfully and wonderfully made? Am I sort of, you know, am I saying that God made a profound mistake in the right, way that God right, created right. me? Like it's, it's kind of unsettling too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to resist the urge at this point to go into chaplain mode. Um, <laughs> as, you, yeah. as you talk about your health issues and spirituality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I can, yeah. I can see wrestling with very, very personally with this, you know, what, what does it mean uh, that God designed you the way you are and yet there is, uh, it's it's not not typical, and not what you were hoping for. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, also, I've also come to sort of um, say atypical as opposed to right. You know that there's a mutation, that there's something wrong. Like to try to use that kind of language that is more on the negative side. Uh huh. Um, because um, you know, I think it's important the way that we talk about things shapes. Yes. Yes. way we feel about it, the way other people feel about it. Yes. If I can just say briefly a little bit about Kleinfelters sure. here for your, um, so the prevalence is actually about one in 600 males. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's not like terribly rare. Yeah. Um, but many males are actually not diagnosed until either later on in life when they're, you know, trying to conceive or perhaps, uh-huh. or, Many are also just never diagnosed at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, like one site, Cleveland Clinic is a pretty reputable um, oh, health yes. in the U.S. They, their sure. site says they think as high as like 70 or 80% of, of men are never diagnosed. Wow, have wow, okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, <laughs> I'm fortunate that I was diagnosed in that regard. Um, yes. And the reason, like, I don't know all the reasons for why it happens, but sometime at the point around the point of conception, there's that extra X chromosome that, right. that, occurs, um, and that has that, that, um, impact. And then in addition to infertility, there's higher risks of things like osteoporosis. Um, sorry about that. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. There's a greater prevalence okay. of being on the autism spectrum. There's greater okay. risk of diabetes. Mm. And there's higher rates of um, mental health issues like anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's other, there's probably other things too, but sure, sure. Yeah, it's just some of so, a little bit about Klein filters. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, getting back to uh, my life story, then. So, yeah, I'll just fast forward like 15 years. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Uh huh. 
Um, I mean, basically like uh, other than after diagnosis and kind of coming to terms with it, we ended up just for various reasons, um, like not having, not having kids, um, in any way. So it's my wife and I, and our two dogs at this point here. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, um, fast forward to last year to November 14th, 2021 it was a Sunday and I would have been at church if not for the pandemic. So I was watching our church's Sunday service on sure, Zoom. Sure. <laughs> and we had a guest speaker who was doing a sermon as part of a series on human sexuality. Okay. And she's a sociology professor at a local Christian college um, in the province that I live in. Uh-huh. And in Manitoba. Her name is uh, Dr. Valerie Hebert. Okay. And she talked about for her sermon was almost more like a lecture. She talked about intersex people and she had a slide up early on in her presentation where she had three different columns listed and she had um, like male on one side, female on the other side and intersex in the middle. Uh So, you know, you've got (laughs) your XX on the female, you got your XY under the male. Sure. And then you've got these different chromosomal varieties under the intersex. Yeah. Yeah. I was absolutely stunned. Yes, <laughs> to see sure. My XXY listed in the middle column uh-huh. because I had never heard that term. Like the, the I had heard the term intersex, but I didn't know what it meant, and I didn't know that I was potentially included in that mm. in that group. Mm-hmm. And so, as I was kind of like listened, sitting on the edge of my seat, kind of thing, I quickly realized um, that. When it when there's those letters LGBTQI that the I is for intersex. Intersex, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my introduction to this whole realm of intersex. Yeah. And um then that also just raised a whole bunch of questions for me too. Um, like, so does that mean that I'm part of like the LGBTQI community? I'm I'm a, you know, I was born, this is male on my birth certificate. I've always thought of myself as male. Uh-huh. Um, I'm in a heterosexual relationship here. Do I like, do I come out as intersex? What is <laughs> Yeah, I can see the struggle there. Yeah. Yeah. Like w- what happens now and what is, like, what does this mean? Yeah. Um. So I just started to do a little bit of kind of researching this, um, looking, you know, looking online. Facebook didn't exist when I was diagnosed with Kleinfelter's all those years earlier. Social media wasn't a thing then. YouTube wasn't a thing then. But yeah, yeah. Um, there's, a, you know, so many more places to look for information yeah. now. Yeah. And it also at that point, like renewed my interest in learning about Kleinfelter's. And I realized that there's all kinds of supports out there that I had no idea existed so it was those were like really positive on both fronts and so i just started i joined a couple support groups one of them was more um like the xxy side of things the other one was intersex mm-hmm. um i later ended up leaving the xxy just for me personally i have not felt sure filters to sort of be as accepting of a place for me for whatever reason sure um but I, I found that intersex community very accepting and supportive. Okay. And um, there's groups like in Australia and the UK, and um, there's some activity in Canada and the US, but it seems like, seems to be a little more developed in Australia in particular. 
Um, but I was able to connect with people online and learn that I'm part of this bigger community that I never thought possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I should also say at this point in person, I've never met anyone with Kleinfelter syndrome or who identifies as intersex. But now I've met multiple intersex people through You know, it's interesting that you say that because if one in 600 uh, baby boys are mm-hmm. have Kleinfeld, is it um, one in 600 boys? boys? or one? Yeah. Okay. Um, that probably means that you have met others with well, Kleinfelters and yeah, me too, yeah. right? But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, – but I don't know that and you don't either. And that's uh, – yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, like, I live in a city of 700,000 people. So, so yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be a bunch of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you found and, this community. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I found really, like, encouraging and hopeful, too, is there's all the different sort of pride flags. Yeah. And there's, uh-huh. a, there's an intersex pride flag. Oh, is that right? I didn't know about that. Okay, and so yeah, and so it looks quite a bit different than a lot of the others. Okay, um, one of the others kind of are follow generally a rainbow pattern, but uh-huh. this one is just it's a yellow background, and it's a purple circle, uh, okay. like a purple ring yeah. in the middle. Uh-huh. And I found out that the yellow color was a color that was associated with um, the pejorative uh, term hermaphrodites. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. In Australia, mm-hmm. uh, so they were kind of reclaiming yellow. Okay, and then, I'm not entirely sure why purple, but the circle represents wholeness and being mm-hmm. whole. Yeah, that just like instantly connected with me at a heart level for sure. <laughs> because I like I just I just resonated so strongly with that struggle. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, not feeling whole, not feeling complete, you're not feeling like feeling like there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and then I've, I realize, I've also come to realize that I've carried a lot of shame throughout my life mm-hmm. um, due to the body image and to not feeling um, like I really connected, like I'm just not feeling like I am the norm of what yes. <laughs> is expected of, of what ma- masculine or male should be. Right. Um, at some point in, in, you know, high school, early adulthood, I realized that I'm a pretty emotional person uh-huh. and I'm not like the logical male <laughs> that's supposedly the stereotype. Yes. So that also, that also was uh, something that has been a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can imagine in feeling like you don't really fit in or, or you don't live up to this stereotypical male that we're all men, boys are supposed to look up to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you um you and Dave also touched on this in your episode um talking a little bit about like what is the binary or what is the expectation of um gender roles you yeah were talking a little bit about that yeah we've and then other episodes we've also um just explored the concept of gender roles, which uh is very tricky and difficult to understand, I think. It's not as it's anyone who thinks that it's simple, I think is, is, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd agree with them <laughs> because there's all different narratives that can say that gender roles are really simplistic. Uh, and I don't think they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, and I mean, culture plays heavily. Huge, huge, yeah. But it's not just culture, right? So that's um, part of it is our biology and our sex chromosomes as, you know, that's an an issue for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so that's basically my journey. Um, Coin filters and intersex. Yeah, yeah. So, So what do you wish that people in general or maybe Christians in particular, so you grew up in an evangelical context, um, what do you wish that people knew about this that they don't? Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. Okay. Um, Yeah. um, I think, like, one of the things that I I want people to know is that even if somebody doesn't doesn't have, like, a diagnosis— of um, a particular mm. intersex, um, and, and and yeah, intersex includes like multiple different yes, um, yes, yes terms. I think uh, yeah. So like in Kleinfelters is just one of like forty different right, right. <laughs> There's lots and lots of them. Yeah, uh huh. Well, yeah, but even if somebody isn't diagnosed, they would they potentially still are living within the impact of that. Yes, that's great. and so. Yeah. And so that's something that like, I think my life story, I would want to point people to that. I was living with the shame. I was living with like the struggle mm. of feeling like I didn't fit in and I didn't fit in with churches teaching, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's pretty major, especially as a pastor's kid. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so like there's, there's that impact of the way that we talk about people or the way that we say like, all men are this way, all males are all males are this way, all females are this way. Mm-hmm. Those kind of the broad categories um, really can leave people marginalized. And um, a group that's already marginalized to a certain extent, you know, living with the, the difficulties, living with the challenges, yes. and then leave that message, um, it can be really harmful. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that's one aspect. Um, I think also another thing that I would want people to know is that, um, some people who could fit into being intersex would choose not to identify that way. Okay. And so I've noticed this particularly when I've, um, dialogued with people with the Kleinfelter's diagnosis and especially with Americans, I've noticed there's a real hesitancy to want to be identified as intersex. Okay. And so, you know, I totally respect people's personal choice there. I think sure. the main thing is that, you know, that people are able to find communities of support. Yes. Find the support where they need it. Um, and so, you know, some people are going to choose to identify, others not, others like some publicly, so, some not kind of thing. Um, but, and then within, and then also, I just also recently learned that there's people who really hesitate with being lumped in with the LGBTQ um, grouping who uh-huh. are interested. Mm-hmm. So there's, I found a group um, on Facebook that is specifically like, we're not LGBTQ yeah. thing. We're intersex. We're not LGBTQ. Right. And so I joined the group just to find out about, you know, what, what that was all about and sure. to hear more about that, like, you know, that attitude, that situation. And um, yeah, I totally respect that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just important that when you are ever meeting somebody who is intersex or who could potentially be just to know that 
there's to look to them to say, you know, how, how do you want to identify? Um, what, how do you like, what do you feel about LGBTQ? Is that, should the I be part of that or not kind of thing? It's yeah. It's, yeah. It's a personal decision, but um, also within the intersex community, there's a disproportionately high number who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered. Sure. So, and like one study said as high as like rates of 52%. Hmm. Okay. But well, apparently within Kleinfelters, there's no disproportionately high. Yeah. I, so, like I, it's, <laughs> that, 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 I, I don't, I'm going to be immediately suspicious of those kinds of numbers, but I, I think it would be higher. I think it would be higher, but um, to say that most intersex people are gay, lesbian, transgender uh, seems a little bit high to me. <laughs> but may, I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if, uh, fifty-two. Let's round it down, <laughs> <laughs> so we can say half. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it's just. But then you know, I also just to say, if you know, you grew up in a tradition um, within Christianity that is not affirming of. Um, of LGBTQ people, yeah. does this raise your ability to have compassion for yes, right. people who, you know, who come out as gay or, or trans or bisexual, yes. lesbian? Um, do you feel greater compassion perhaps recognizing that there might be like biological things going on in addition to right. what where they feel drawn to in terms of sexual orientation? Yeah, yeah. It's very, very complex how anybody comes to those kind. well, what, someone who is uh, completely typical in what we normally think. Their whole gender identity and sexuality is very, very complex. Uh, clumping of biology and culture and uh, the family they're raised in and all these things. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's true for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think um, talking about uh, Christians as well, more specifically uh-huh. speaking, Christians. I think that like there are. I haven't encountered both unhelpful attitudes amongst Christians. Yeah. Um, but then, as the sermon that I like that I mentioned, November fourteenth, twenty twenty one, illustrates, there's also very positive. Yeah. Images of inclusion and acceptance. Yeah. And when I tell non-Christians, like, yeah, I learned I'm intersex by going to church, <laughs> they're just like shocked by yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm so glad you did. I think that's yeah. that's that's a very appropriate place to learn about those things. Yeah. yeah. Not the only place, but a good place. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but it also just sort of breaks down that like sometimes Christians are seen as very like hostile on LGBTQ issues, and so yes, my story. Yes. It's a different picture. Yeah. And I'm glad that it um, does. Yeah. And so when I, when I've looked up things like intersex on YouTube and intersex in Christianity, like I felt, I found some like unhelpful things. And I think yeah. that, I, I think that like, and there's pastors who have done like Q and a sessions and people ask their toughest questions, you know? And I mean, if, if it, they're had, trying to have like a gotcha moment to say like, well, how do you explain intersex when you talk about the creation story? You know, it tends to bring up a bit of defensiveness <laughs> sometimes sure, in, sure. in Christians and pastors. Um, and so some of those um, messages that are out there um, tend to be, I think, coming from a defensive place. Sure. And I, I wouldn't want to use 
intersex people as a way to say, you know, don't trust the Bible or something like that. Oh, like that, oh, oh yeah. Okay. I don't appreciate that um, perspective. Um, but then I also think that when, if we, when we look at the Bible, there's messages in the, in scripture that I think can help to point us towards being supportive of people who've been marginalized yes. and you could definitely include the intersex community. Absolutely. Um, you and Dave had talked about uh, past, some passages in the Bible that talk about eunuchs yes. and whatnot. And that, and that comes up a lot, understandably around this topic. Um, but I found a I found a scripture from Isaiah 56, four and five uh-huh. that is interesting here. I'm going to read it. That's, I'm reading from New International Version. Okay. Verse four, for this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them, I will give within my temple and its walls, a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And so to the extent that, you know, and I'm not a deep theologian, but to the extent that, uh, you know, we might read the creation story and say, well, you know, God only mentions males, only mentions females. Um, if we think of eunuchs in a broader category, you know, or yes. is, is representing a broader group, like here we have God saying that they're being brought into the covenant. Yes. And into um, the, into God's kingdom or into that covenant relationship in a way that maybe they weren't able to be a part of or fully a part of before. Yes. So I think that's just a really powerful scripture and one that we could maybe go to a deeper, deeper learning about. Absolutely. And that one specifically, specifically mentions that the Lord will give to those eunuchs um, a name that will last forever, right? And the idea is that I, I think uh, where you can't have biological children to carry your name on, and that was, it's important now, but it was far more important to the cultures, the ancient cultures, that Absolutely. your legacy will live on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was important. No, that's that's one of my favorite uh, verses and uh, uh, from Isaiah 56, and it was... Um, it was around there. I forget exactly where in the book of Acts, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading in the book of Isaiah, right around that passage, that right. uh, that then, uh, um, is, is it Stephen? I think Stephen goes and explains, Is I forget who it is. I think it's Stephen who goes and explains it to him. Anyway, it could be somebody else. Now, my mind is blanking. I don't know. Um. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of it too because the focus is always more on the eunuch. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And I, I mean, I heard a theologian um, talking about that. There's there's one theologian who has done a lot with um, this topic. Oh, okay. And that's Miss um, Megan DeFranza. Okay. And she's she's American, and she's um, she has a book. And I better not try to say the name because I don't know. Okay. I can't remember exactly what the book is. But, sure. But yeah, anyways, she has done a bit with this topic. Mm-hmm. And she says that, like, do you think it's possible that the eunuch is reading, like, this exact passage of Isaiah that this is meant to be telling the reader, 
hey, look at that. Oh, <laughs> look I at think this, so. you know, because of that, like, <laughs> get baptized right now kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think that this, the scripture specifically says that, they, that he had just come to one of the servant songs of Isaiah. Um, uh, maybe, uh, I forget exactly. Anyway, um, but yeah, there was, and so I, it, it's right there. And I, I think that that's on purpose. Anyway, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, I think additional things in scripture too is, okay. I mean, we could go through, you know, one could go through all the eunuch passages and like when you, when you actually do the search, there's more than you might think, <laughs> but sure. But uh, that's not what I would focus on here. Um, okay. I think like when I think about the ministry of Jesus, yes, I think about Jesus's redemptive work. He does so much reaching out to people on the margins yes. of his society and so, you know, when we think, when we hear the stories about like Jesus re- reaching out to people with leprosy, healing people with leprosy, I suspect we're not meant to take that as a literal, like that Christians should be really big on skin disease <laughs> issues, specialists. Yeah, right, 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 right. But it's more of an ethical principle. Hmm. It's more of a reaching out to people who are marginalized yes. in a society. And so... So I think, you know, I think that the call is really clear in scripture to, um, and when I look into the old Testament, there's that repeated message that talks about, um, being concerned with the widow, the fatherless and and the poor. And again, like, I think that it's a, it's more of an, a broader like principle and ethic of caring for those who, um, who need care or who need justice, who don't have you don't have someone to act on their behalf. Right, right. Um, so I think like we just, as Christians, I think one thing that has been tricky is, as you uh, you had alluded to in your uh, previous episode, it can be challenging. I think some people sort of feel uncertain about like, okay, there's LGBTQ and now I and now A and now like all these additional sure, 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 letters sure. and we sometimes as Christians, we might struggle with like, okay, does that like our society seems like it's changing so much around us and, uh-huh. and not knowing um, how to like, not wanting to be not, you know, not having morals or whatever, um, feeling sort of threatened by that. Um, but, you know, I think like intersex, one thing that can get lost in such debates is that intersex people are simply people. Yes. Yes. And we're real people with That's real right. struggles. That's right. And trying to figure out um, the different conditions that um, genetic conditions and otherwise that have led us to be, to live our lives um, wrestling with some of these, these challenges. And so I just would hope that Christians would always recognize that there's real people um, mm. involved here and people who desperately just want to be loved and accepted. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and so that would be the final thing that I think I want to say to the listeners. Absolutely. And, you know, in that sense, that really brings us all together. That So I, as well, as best, I was about to say I'm not intersex. As best as I can tell, I'm not intersex. Who knows? I've never been actually genetically tested, I suppose. So, but I don't think that I am, and I certainly don't identify that way. Mm-hmm. But at my core as well, mainly I just want to be loved. And 
that brings us all, and, and there's a struggle uh, be, for me and for all of us. And I have different obstacles, or at least probably at least not that obstacle that you have. Um, but I have other obstacles, and that's part of that's it's true for all of us that we that we all want to be loved. And I I guess that goes back to uh, the Holy Trinity that where God is love. And it's mm. it's that, uh, and he is inviting us, that's the Christian story, inviting us into, to participate in that love relationship he has amongst the Trinity from all, you know, from before the beginning of the world. And he he wants us to be like him in love. But the, that's, that's the broken piece of us is that we don't love each other the way that mm. we ought to. And that's true for all of us. Anyway, sorry, mm-hmm. I'm starting to preach. <laughs> <laughs> Occupational hazard. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it sounds like that's what you're saying. That at at the bottom, uh, really intersex. That the fact that you are intersex um, is not is not the core thing. You're a person just like everybody else, and. Uh, struggle to find love and all and all of us do but there are unique issues there i don't mean to downplay the unique issues of course yeah exactly there there are unique issues there and um like initially when i heard your podcast i kind of got tripped up because i felt a little bit minimized um at one part Uh um, in in the conversation um, it's around the 16 minute mark, but oh it's... heavens, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll have to go back and take a listen at it. Yeah, um... but but then you know, I think like I think I just also have been hurt or have felt hurt by Christians before. Yes, and yes. so it kind of triggered some of that um, baggage sure. that I carried, and I probably saw saw you or heard that message through the lens of of other hurts. Yes. Um, but then I, you know, when I was prepping for this, for, to be interviewed today, uh-huh. uh, of course I re-listened to that episode and I thought like, Oh, maybe I was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit harsh in my judgment there. Maybe I was, I wasn't fully hearing like the amount of intentionality and the heart that both of you were coming at this with. So I, I think like overall, I just want to give you a lot of credit for approaching um, for one thing, talking about intersex, which is something that so few people know about, I think that a lot of people might feel, you know, more compassion if they simply knew, <laughs> but the, I think a lot of people just don't know. Yes. To begin with. Yes. Um, and yeah. And so I really appreciate, um, I really appreciate, you know, what, what you guys um, are doing by giving attention to a group of people who have been felt often felt misunderstood and um, kind of at the edge of society or a little on the edge. Absolutely. And, not, and I can tell you, not just felt um, misunderstood, but you have actually been misunderstood. Um, yeah. yeah. Both of those are actually important. Um, it's a Canadian um, hazard to try to <laughs> make it a little bit softer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, it's both of those are important, right? The the reality of mis- the misunderstanding, and then also the feeling of the misunderstanding are are both important. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and that's part of what 
Dave and I were trying to do. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for um, coming on and being uh, a voice of someone who, uh, um, a voice to um, tell us what it's like from the inside to be an intersex person. Uh, I am surprised and very, very glad that you grew up in the church with the evangelical church with the negative messages that you had um, and the shame that comes along with all that and have stayed uh, following Jesus. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's a wonderful testimony to his grace and to your faithfulness to him. Mm. Um. Thanks. And I mean, it hasn't been without its struggles. I'm but. sure. I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful as well. listening to the hopper podcast you made it to the end of this week's episode congratulations you win a bucket of kitty litter yeah to claim your prize write to us at the hopper podcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 214-267-9287 join us next time when we will discuss real museums that should not exist there are a lot of those there sure are be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and join our Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is sponsored this week by Deodorant Wizard. It's magically odorific.